Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. Joining me later on today's show to talk about the Kentucky Derby, college football, NBA, and her sports betting mindset is Monique Vague, a.k.a. Parlay Queen. But first, sports betting became legal in Illinois, and sports books are now starting to pop up. And what I wanted to do was share a quick, candid experience of what it is like right now. I live in Chicago. Number one, and by the way, this is not a ringing endorsement for any sports book, so I'll just give you my general thoughts. First thing, it is very easy to deposit via mobile. Um, for a while, when Illinois first went legal with sports betting, they made you register in person. That was a complete pain in the butt. Thankfully, after a few months, they got rid of that and you could deposit from the couch. Now, all of a sudden, boom, that was easy peasy. However, I do want to give you a note of caution. You must be disciplined with your bankroll because it is so easy to deposit. You may feel a little loosey-goosey with your bets. I want to re-emphasize like I always do. Bankroll management is so important, and I felt it. Once I downloaded two different books, I was like, whoa, I kind of like this. You got money in both places. Be smart with your bankroll. Number two, the books in Illinois right now are throwing promotions left and right. They are all over the place. So number one, I've really got to do a good job of keeping track of these promotions because some of them, it's pretty much like free money, plus 100 here on an actual spread or plus 90 over here. It's like, it's ridiculous stuff. Um, on top of that, the way that I'm seeing it is this is pretty much user acquisition for these sports books. I'm not feeling much brand loyalty one way or another right out of the gate because they just see us as we want to get you into our world. So we're going to give first right out of the gate. It's cool for us, the users early on, and that's really why I found it important to make sure that I deposited in multiple books right out of the gate because I did want to take advantage of uh, the good opportunities that were there. This is also the first time I've ever had multiple books in my life. And so often on this podcast, we've heard, get the best number. And when you only have one sports book or a place where you place bets, uh, it's hard to really understand how to live that out and the importance of it because you're like, hey, I just have uh, minus six and a half on the Patriots. That's really my only option. You don't have the ability to go to multiple places. Well, now for the first time, I've got multiple places and I get it because I'm checking the different books to see one on the line, but two on the payout because if one's at minus 110 and one's at minus 105, I'm going to take the minus 105 all day. So this whole loyalty thing, it really comes down to the number and the price. I'm really finding that I continue to love live betting when I'm in the apps. Live betting is primarily the main place of where I'm going. I'm finding that I'm shying further away from pregame lines because I don't feel as much in control as I do on the live betting side of things. Uh, I really like the player prop options. That's opening up a whole new world to me. And I really think that you're going to start to see a big evolution in the sports betting landscape in communities 
on the opportunities with player props because I feel like, once again, there might be more of an advantage being able to take Tim Hardaway Jr. over under four and a half rebounds than there is on Rockets minus two. I also um, saw the amount of options there are for betting, and it can be a little bit overwhelming, but like anything, you just need to get accustomed to them. So for me, I'm very much going to be documenting my experience and sharing them, and when I can find value, I will share that value with you. Hold up. Happy birthday, Covers. Covers turns 25 on Sunday, September 6th. And to celebrate, they're giving away some sweet cover swag and a custom NFL jersey as part of their 25th anniversary contest. All you got to do is follow them on social or visit the NFL betting forum for full contest details. Contest ends on Sunday, so make sure to enter today. And joining me today is Monique Vague. You can follow her on Twitter at ParlayQueen. Monique, great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me back. Like I was saying earlier, it's always excited to be back here and being able to talk about anything and everything. And that's what I love most about this. Amen. You know what I love? We are back, baby. We have so much sports. When once we were dry and bare and there's nothing for us to bet on, we got the Kentucky Derby, we have college football, NFL's on the horizon, we've got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB, there's just so much goodness. But herein lies a challenge. With all of this goodness, that's a lot for us to handle and try and cap and figure out how to do our bets. I'm curious on your mindset and your process, what does it look like on a daily basis? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's extra tough because I like to get as many stats as possible. And of course, with the shutdown, we started everything back up. Like the NBA season is the one that jumps out of the page right away for me. It's that, you know, we have a lot of stats we can go by, but really teams have changed so much since then. And then you have getting back into the rhythm, into the swing of things. And for me, it's, it's just been a super tough time. And we also toy with the idea, is there really going to be something like a college football season starting up? We know that um, it's just the uncertainty of sports and knowing that at this time, you know, one positive COVID case, and then what's what's really to happen. So it's a strange time. Um, I'm taking my bets day by day, like you said, you are as well. And I mean, trying to get as much data as possible and trying not to hold too much weight to one particular game, but it's tough not to. And that's what's super fresh in our memory. I'm finding that it's very important to be disciplined with your bankroll. And certainly with everything on there, it can feel very easy just to sprinkle stuff everywhere. But I do want to emphasize that because with this much here, you could have your entire bankroll in action like that, like no problem whatsoever. So for me, I'm being, being very vigilant at that, especially if you don't necessarily know about all of these different things. So sports are back and maybe you're not someone who bets MLB or NBA as often. And when you have this many games, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'll just throw some here and there. And then all of a sudden you lose a few games for a few consecutive days. And you're like, whoa, took a little hit from my bankroll. So that's important. And then number two, I think doing your research as early in the day as you can. I'm finding that I've got two ways that I'm betting early. Let's call it by 11 a.m. Central time, or I'm coming within 30 minutes of game time where I'm like, oh my God, I didn't get enough in there, but I want to make sure that I have action. What about you? What does the timing look like for you? 
That's a good question. So if I think or expect there's going to be a lot of like line movement, then I'm going to try to get my bet in as early as possible. But I'm the type of person in general, I like to wait up until game time. And I know for most sports, I have that luxury of in-game betting as well. So I think if you are a sharp or if you're a person that puts in all the research you get, or especially with NBA or sport where so much is momentum based, I think if you have the luxury of being able to take advantage of in-game betting, you're at a huge edge. Now, of course, you know, if you back a team and they're up 10 nothing, you're not going to be getting great odds in that sense. But still, you have the luxury of being able to see the intensity a team comes out with, um, the drive. And you have things that you necessarily couldn't quantify beforehand that can come and be used to your advantage. So knowing that I have that, I'm always kind of lazy on getting my bets in early, unless I think I'm getting the perfect line early and I just want to lock that in. But spoiled in the sense of having that luxury of being able to in-game bets. I'm glad you mentioned this because it's been an ongoing narrative the last few weeks on the podcast. Because for me, I completely agree with you. I find more value and certainty in the live betting lines than I do locking up Toronto minus two. And I I look at the variety of series, Houston, Oklahoma City. We've seen swings all over the place mid-game. You look at Toronto, Boston. Boston's been in control of that entire series. Toronto's been favored the entire time. You look at Milwaukee and Miami, where the Heat are five-and-a-half-point uh, dogs, and the Bucks are all of a sudden rolling, and then you look back up a second, and then, boom, the Heat are up, and you're like, what in the world is going on? And we're seeing such volatile swings that I feel – that if I lock myself into Houston minus two and they go down 10, nothing, I'm like, well, wait a second. Why would I lock that in ahead of time when we can get more information and the line is just as available to us, if not better. That's true. And even like nuggets jazz, that's one that jumps off the page even yesterday. Well, first of all, to force a game seven in and of itself, when the nuggets looked entirely dead the jazz just couldn't miss for so many of those early games in the series and then that one in particular really jumps off the page and then yesterday nuggets had a huge lead and i was like all right you know look looking good for them and then turn the game off turn it back on and then i see it's a one point game going to the third so in that from that perspective yeah especially nba where the swings are so big you go on a 10-0 run that's common that's not something that you know super rare to happen and then in those low scoring games too so it's one of those things in-game betting i think having the luxury of that it's just it's it's beautiful and it's it's great so you still feel like yeah I'm getting my action in on the game but a little bit more informed than maybe just kind of blindly betting in the dark just with being so many sports happening at all times it's just it's super overwhelming I mean it can't complain in that sense just got to pick and choose like you said and be more selective but yeah in-game betting has always been like my favorite thing to do and I think that as we get further on in the NBA playoffs it's going to become even more interesting because the disparity between the teams isn't going to be as large. Think Bucks versus Magic. The Magic, even though they got a game, they weren't really seeming the same class there. But now these teams have all won a game, and the opportunity for them to come back is a lot greater. And even looking at that Jazz game, it's not oftentimes comfortable to look when a team is down 20 and be like, this is my opportunity to bet them. But I think that's the mindset that we need to have is when a team looks gross, well, they're not always going to look gross because it's certainly in a game seven, they're going to be pushing, even though that entire game was absolutely disgusting. But I think that's what we really need to be looking at is opportunity based and try and be as unemotional as we can. 
Yeah, that's that for me, no matter what, no matter how much I tell myself that, and I'm a super rational person, but even the one thing that really comes to my mind is horse racing and like looking through and taking into account, you know, races, Not no two races are going to be the same way. No horse week in and week out is going to be as sharp as they are. And it's so difficult to not judge either whether it be a horse, whether it be a team, too too harshly on one poor effort or one poor performance. And you can see it and you could see sometimes, you know, in NBA, you're getting great looks, but the ball just isn't landing in the net. And that just somehow happens. And that's a lot of the time we're all take the advantage of in-game betting. When you can see a team is playing well, getting all those open looks, getting good shots, and it's just not falling. And that's just what tends to happen sometimes. So you can get huge value, even if you're not betting the team to win the game in a money line wager when they're down big, but just taking the points sometimes because it's not going to happen the entire game, most likely, that a team is going to get all these good looks and the ball just doesn't fall or they just don't get those lucky bounces. And then horse racing, you know, judging a horse too harshly off of one poor effort, it could have been a tough trip for them. They could have just been locked in on the rail. It could have just been the horse just didn't feel like racing, just like with players. Sometimes we just don't feel at our best. So it's it's so tough to not look at that and be like, okay, I'm going to judge this too harshly. But that's something that, you know, no matter what, I feel like you have to keep reiterating and, and forcing yourself into actually looking and examining the bigger picture than just one effort. So this is a great opportunity for us to segue to the Kentucky Derby. And I loved going to the Derby when it was an option. It it was just so much fun. It's an experience that I wish everyone could have at least once because there's just an energy about it. And this year we've got Tis the Law as a huge favorite, three to five favorites. And you know a ton about betting on the horses. And I'm curious what are your thoughts on tis the law? Because the overwhelming things that we're saying is this horse is head and shoulders better than everyone else. Yeah. So the thing is with horse racing, you often get those super short price horses. And a lot of the time you kind of have to look at it like the, the big sample size and he's performed at the top level against all these horses and just dominated and looking at it from that perspective you you have a huge sample size it's entirely different than looking at you know a first time starter getting bet down so heavily you're looking at him and he's just lived up to the hype he's lived up to the part he's looked so dominant and the thing for me is it's going to be so tough to play against him just like it was so tough to play against him in the Belmont now of course you have more horses to work with in the Derby and you have a the different distance, you have a different track, and but you have the time frame in between. So it's not as grueling as the Triple Crown runs once was, where you have so many races in such short proximity. You actually have a bigger hiatus in between. And I think that ultimately ends up benefiting the top trainers, the top drivers, or top um, jockeys, I should say, and the top horses. So it's gonna be very tough to play against him. But in horse racing, there's so many different bets to be made that there's still so much way, so many ways to make money, whether it's through the multi-legs, the pick threes, fours, fives, and sixes, um, singling him, so turning one of your pick fives into a pick four, obviously thus cutting the cost of the wager. And still fantastic payouts, so superfecta, trifecta, all of those wagers are available if you do like that short price horse. And I discuss this with people all the time about not wanting to bet the chalk and at the end of the day, in races like this, he's the chalk for a reason, and he's lived up to the hype, and if you have been following racing, it's just going to be so tough to play against him, because he has so much going for him. The post is the one thing, if you are a big stats person, where you can kind of look at it and see post 17 never won, 
yes, with that being said, he's someone with so much tactical speed, early speed. He doesn't need to be on the lead. He doesn't need to be on the front. And I mean, there's just so many things towards him, backing him, that's going to be so tough to play against him. Would I bet him to win at three to five? Absolutely not. But there are other ways to bet it. So with those other ways to bet it, it would seem like it would make sense for us to talk about the horses that could come in second, third, or fourth, because that's where we're probably going to be making our money. And that's what we actually did uh, in the Belmont previously. So what are the, some, what are some of the other horses that you like? Cause I know if we're looking at the other favorites, we've got honor AP, we've got authentic um, NY traffic. I don't even know if it's NY or Nye traffic. Either way, it's the only one that looks like Nye traffic. What are your thoughts on what could it look like after Tis the Law? Hmm. So, out of those two California horses, Authentic, Honor AP, I prefer Honor AP. I think he's someone. So, for the Derby itself, you know, it's not necessarily the most beneficial to closers, whereas a lot of people think the longer the distance, the longer the race, the more beneficial it is for horses to come from the back. But instead, it's always in horse racing case makes the race. And there isn't a whole ton of early speed. And I think in the Derby, especially this year in particular, horses that are closer to the front end forwardly placed are the ones that are going to benefit the most. Um, in terms of Honor AP, I think he's just been racing super well. He's been ultra consistent, hasn't raced outside of California yet, but the quality of horses he has been racing against, I think speaks volumes. I think out of the shorter prices, if something were to happen to Tis the Law, I think he is your most likely winner. Um, but that being said, it's gonna be tough to play against Tis the Law. And then one long shot that I did like, and when I'm trying to tackle long shots in the Kentucky Derby, some people go by post. For me, ultimately, as long as you're not a horse that wants the front end, you don't draw that bad. Post isn't necessarily that important to me. Um, I like to see horses that I think are trending in the right direction, whether it be from workouts or just improvement from start to start. And the thing that's so tough with the Kentucky Derby itself is these are three-year-olds with so many, with limited races, limited experience. And you can see one horse look entirely different from one start to the next when they're just maturing, getting better, getting more accustomed to a different type of racing trip. Uh, but King Guillermo is someone I think could be a huge long shot and could be someone that could hit the board. I think he should be involved in the mix early and his recent workouts at Churchill Downs were very, very quick. Um, and I like to see that he does show that speed in there. And I think he's someone who at least visually has shown a lot of improvement from start to start and he's, he's raced fairly well. So going to be a huge price, probably 35 to one, something around that range and could hit the board for sure. Do you have any thoughts on Major Fed, a 50 to one long shot? It's a horse that, from what I read up on, comes on late. So it's something that uh, won't be in the picture at the, right out of the start. But if everything unfolds, um, the opportunity would be at boom, let's have one last burst at the end. Uh, any thoughts on that? So him in particular, it, it's going to be tough to back some of those. Uh, and, and like I said earlier, the pace makes the race and there isn't a bunch of early speed in there. So it's going to be really tough for closers. You know, a lot of the time, if you look through their most recent lines, especially for closers, you'll see, oh, they made up a lot of ground and went from, you know, 14th to get up for fourth or fifth. But at the end of the day, they're passing tired horses and that's kind of what's expected. I just don't really see... Um, the fractions being beneficial for anyone really closing. That being said, they could definitely get up in time, but I think, you know, your winner is going to be Tizzala, who's going to be somewhere either, if not very close to the front end, 
no further back than like seventh or eighth and I think somewhere around there those are going to be the horses that are going to get up in time just because they'll have you know a big advantage in terms of being so many lengths closer I just don't really see any one of those horses coming from the clouds and ending up hitting hitting the ticket I could totally be wrong and you know there could be some type of speed up front but I just don't see it in terms of what we've seen already and being able to to judge in that sense like there isn't someone that's going to be your pace setter going to the front end ensuring those fast fractions so it's gonna be tough to back someone at a big price like that it looks like it's going to be a relatively chalky race I mean assuming tis the law right there and you mentioned honor AP um, as opposed to other years where there may be uh a myriad of different horses like, Hey, I like this one that is more in a um, nine to one, 12 to one type range. Is that correct? Where you're seeing this relatively chalky. So for us who would be contrarian betters, what do you do about that? That's the thing is that, you know, with the Kentucky Derby, we used to have big prices, but over the past maybe 10 or so years, it's, it's been pretty formful. And, you know, a lot of the time you look at it and be like, will I accept that short of a price when there are 20 or 19 other runners in the race? It's tough in that sense. But now with horse racing, even just looking at it now, some of the speeds that these horses are putting forth and you have the pedigrees and you are spending one and a half million on buying a racehorse and of course there's so much left up to to chance and circumstance and you, you do still need to get lucky but you're spending that kind of money on a racehorse you kind of are ensuring you're getting the best breeding a horse that can handle the distance a horse that is bred to be that good and it's no surprise to see the same trainers with the best horses and and same owners in these big races because you kind of do get what you pay for in terms of horse racing we all love those great stories, those cheap racehorses, those California chromes that cost little to no money and ended up outperforming their pedigrees and their odds. But in terms of this year and what's shaping up and last year too, it's, it's just going to be tough to find one of those horses that you know, end up coming through at big prices. If you are looking for that in stakes days, that would be the Breeders, uh, the Breeders' Cup event. That's when you're racing many different horses, not just three-year-olds, different ages, different genders, different everything. That's where you end up getting those big prices, especially for those two-year-olds. But in terms of the Derby, it's a reason it's pretty formful. All right, so let's move on to college football briefly because college football, wow, we had the Austin P versus, I don't even remember who it was because I was on Austin P and it was the first backdoor cover turned into backdoor cover against me of the season right out of the gate. It's like, hallelujah, Austin P plus four and a half. They end up scoring a touchdown. I'm like, yeah. And then I don't remember who they were playing against. All they had to do was kick the field goal. Boom. I cover that bad boy. Nah, they throw the touchdown with less than 40 seconds. Game over. And I'm like, welcome back to college football. It feels so good. But this is the first, I guess we can call it real, even though it doesn't really feel real uh, weekend of college football because we've got a lot of directional schools against a bunch of non-major um, schools. I'm curious from your capacity or your standpoint, because we talked about the day by day basis of sports betting and how we're doing these bets. How are you thinking about college football right now? 
college football, I got to be honest, is the one sport which is like in the back of my mind. I'm just waiting to to really see one of those games that completely jump off the page. And I'm probably, I'm de- well, I know I'm definitely not going to be betting heavy opening weekend for the first couple of weeks. Just wanting to see who ends up living up to the hype thus far, who looks good, who, it's just such strange times that it's like I can't back these schools that I used to back with such confidence and take these big spreads that I used to, just not knowing. Um, so much uncertainty I don't even know what it's like practicing it's got to be entirely different too so I'm just going to take a wait and see approach I mean there's more than enough sports going on that I'm not feeding to make bets in that sense um what about you does anything jump off the page this weekend for you so I actually just placed my first and only college football bet so far and it is the army middle Tennessee matchup uh, Army is a three and a half point favorite and I am taking middle Tennessee. And the reason for this is Army is not a good team traditionally as a favorite and traditionally as a favorite of more than a field goal. It's something like they've hit only 35% since 2005. And while I'm traditionally not a huge trends better early on in the season, when I'm looking for something that says, all right, how in the world can I diagnose with not a lot of information? That is a something where there are teams that are traditionally better as underdogs and not as good as favorites. I mean, you look at a team like Northwestern, traditionally when they're getting points boom I want to be on Northwestern but when Northwestern is a favorite you traditionally don't feel as good about that because they allow teams to stay in it I think that's the same thing with Army so for me give me Middle Tennessee give me Middle Tennessee plus 3.5 I like that and you, you touched on a lot of good points there too there are certain teams that just either play up to their competition play down to their competition and just don't put up a lot of points historically so in that sense we know it's going to be one of those grinding games which we always end up seeing out of army and so i say yeah maybe taking the points with the other team makes sense middle tennessee makes sense so I gotta look at, into. as we wrap up um this chat i'm curious if there's any nuggets or thoughts in your mind from a betting perspective of teams in any sport that you may or may not like i know with the nba we've been so involved in it we're seeing the bucks looking a little bit shaky um is there anything that is on your mind that we should be looking out for anywhere in sports hmm that's a very good question um I really don't know. Let me think about that, actually. Um, Like I said, just not judging teams too harshly on one performance to a next. Um, In terms of basketball, who surprised me? I mean, the Raptors have disappointed me. My my team, well, my team, I say my team because I'm born and raised in Toronto. So obviously, I secretly root for the Raptors, but no problems playing against them. It's just been so tough with Boston. That's been the one team that's always kind of gotten the better of them. Um, But they're not putting up many points. Hmm. I guess just trying to find matchups in particular with player props is always what I like to do. Trying to find that one player that's seemingly been like the difference maker, like Jamal Murray's one that jumps off the page. Um, Nuggets have needed scoring. He's been there for them. Um, Yeah, I guess that's kind of just what jumps off the page and just trying to find the numbers that make the most sense and not taking those too short of a prices in those matchups. Um, I always just love to try to find, I know it's probably not the best angle, but trying to figure out the winner in those pick games uh, early on in the Rockets OKC series, I was able to to make a lot of those bets because they were pick games and I thought I had good edges early on. 
um, it's just such a strange time and just flooded with sports that it's like looking through and then in-game betting is just the best way I would be able to capitalize off that because I feel like a lot of the time when a team gets down early, it's just because they're not having those that, that luck. So yeah, that's, I guess, my answer to that. Monique, really enjoyed jamming with you. And I know that you are someone we all need to be following this weekend with the Derby. Where can everybody connect with you? Best place would be on Twitter at Parlay Queen. And then I have a Derby article I just finished, a really detailed write-up on covers about every single horse in the race. And usually I'm very, well, I mean, all the time, I'm very authentic and transparent about the chances. So hopefully you can find a little bit in there as I, I try to break it down in terms of not just the most recent race and what to expect out of them. So that would be a definite must check out for the Derby weekend. And I want to hear from you. What Derby action do you have? What college football action do you have? And is anything standing out for you about the sports landscape, teams, or players? You can hit me up on Twitter at Rob Cressy. Make sure to use hashtag Sharp 600 and be part of our community. And also make sure to tag at covers. And I want to give a big shout out to everyone who supports this show by subscribing, rating, reviewing on iTunes. It really helps us bring new people into the community. And I really appreciate it when you show us love, because if you give us a shout out, we will give you a shout out on the show. And remember, you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management. The book of Delic Devil hit you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rope. Looking like the way the sound pumps. Pumping in your black trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.